This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Oren Schauble. Oren has been the recently built and was president of a public consumer product company, Unrivaled Brands. Prior to that, uh, he's been a product and brand advisor to B2C brands. He's been a creator. He's been featured in Vice, Mashable, Travel, and Leisure, and a whole lot more. Oren, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, really a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to our chat. All right, so let's go back in time a little bit. How'd you get started? Uh, so I actually started as a graphic designer. Uh, so that's what I went to school for. I ended up working at a marketing agency in design. Uh, and then I, I got lucky in that time period in that uh, that was when Google ads and Facebook ads first started. And so I became the guy at the agency who was the champion for that in the right timing and then became a creative director and eventually moved into sales and marketing and then sales, marketing and product. And uh, then kind of went full entrepreneur from there. Well, I'm sure the longer version of that could fill a book somewhere if it hasn't Indeed. already. So you went full entree, left the agency world, and what? Talk a little bit about uh, how you started on Rival Brands. Um, so this, I came into that project where basically a, a another entrepreneur was doing a roll up with multiple companies. So he had basically kind of already planned around vertically integrating with uh, so retail and some consumer brands, you know, here in California and up the West Coast. And then I came in as an operator in that. And I actually started in the role specifically in product development and kind of, you know, merchandising and then expanded over into taking over all operations uh, before we went public last July. And then we passed the, the, the company over to a team of more experienced public operators. And now it's uh, on to the next things. Well, um, so you went from zero to public to sale relatively quickly. 
Uh, yeah, well, it was about a three-year process overall. So, you know, uh, these companies that we, you know, it was a roll-up, right? So basically what that means is that there's a series of existing businesses, you bring them together to combine their efficiencies, and then you kind of leverage that to take it to the next level. So that was about a three-year process uh, in terms of actually kind of engineering that, you know, getting it started. We took it on the public market about two years later, and then it was about a year, you know, it's been about a year since that happened. Now, wasn't exactly the best timing with the public markets where they are currently, but uh, was an interesting process along the way for sure. I bet. What were some of the lessons that you learned in that? How do you translate? Because those companies were all in the same industry, right? Yep. Talk a little bit about the process of bringing them under the same umbrella, getting them kind of unified under one system type of stuff. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's a, a cultural differences is always the, the hardest thing to work through in that, I mean, especially if you have, you know, what we were dealing with is, you know, when you have a kind of more lifestyle businesses or businesses that are really, you know, marketing and brand focused, and you combine that with more, you know, public operators and kind of more traditional finance backgrounds, there tends to be a lot of culture clash. I think that's probably the most difficult part of that process. But one of the most interesting things that I think is interesting for other entrepreneurs is that we spent a lot of time gaining additional profit by basically vertically integrating retail. So we would say, hey, we have retail stores, they do X amount of sales, here are SKUs that we could create ourselves and get higher margin from, because we have our own manufacturing, we can make our own brands. And I think that that's something that is applicable across almost any consumer goods industry right now, whether you're a sporting goods retailer, or whether you sell, you know, consumer packaged goods or grocery stores is that white labeling has always been uh, kind of like mediocre versions of existing products. But I think now with how easy it is to create brands and incubate interesting things, almost all of those industries could have much more compelling white label programs. I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs should kind of be having their eye on. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So what's next for you since the exit? Um, so right now I'm working, basically I have a, uh, I have a, a website and a content platform where I'm helping enable entrepreneurs to create physical products. So I have a free newsletter called Product People and then a website called productworld.xyz where I basically publish a lot of the process of sourcing and creating your own products and includes like factory links and ideas on how you launch brands in the TikTok era. And especially if you're a creator, how do you leverage your you know platform to, you know, to, to launch a brand. And I'm just, I'm giving all that away currently and kind of seeing where that, uh, where the winds take it and saying, Hey, you know, maybe that becomes a fund at some point. Maybe it becomes a brand house. Uh, maybe it becomes just, you know, continuing that, that enablement in a different way, but that's been a really interesting process. And I think it's a really interesting opportunity for a lot of entrepreneurs right now. And I'm excited to be kind of educating on it. You've worked in all kinds of different capacities in startups, in bigger, successful companies. What do you like best about what you're doing now? Uh, you know, I, I definitely like uh, the idea. I, I just think there's such an opportunity for people to be entrepreneurs and especially for people that have taken the jump to be an online creator, to have their own brands. And I really just like that aha moment when people realize that these things that they thought about for all of us growing up, these big giant companies or, you know, like your Nabisco's or, hey, I could never create something that could compete with Coca-Cola or anything like that. But now I think you really, even if it's for a fraction of a percent of market share, you really can do that. Like the global supply chain is super accessible. You know, the uh, the ability, the tools to reach audiences are more applicable than ever. The tools to create amazing brands. And I think that watching entrepreneurs and creators realize that has been really exciting to me and kind of having them see the opportunity and, and getting that you know, that entrepreneurial fire. Uh, and, you know, I really enjoy just being in the mix on that. And then also watching the really interesting things they decide to create once they make that jump. What do you think some of the most common mistakes are that they're making when it comes to that? I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people think that they need to rely on others for their supply chain or their product creation. When today you can really just go direct to factory, whether it's overseas or 
uh, or here in the US. And I think that yeah, having to act like you need some sort of crazy infrastructure is completely wrong. The other mistake I see a lot now, and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about is just going D to C saying, Hey, I'm just selling my product online. I think every brand that's going to have a scalable future from the beginning needs to think about selling direct to consumers online, what their Amazon strategy is, and then how they're going to get into retail, even if it's small, because all three of those things are what's really going to enable scale. Just really pushing on one of them is going to have its, its limitations, especially in the kind of, the kind of complex markets we have now. What would you say to, you know, creators, entrepreneurs who say, well, that sounds great, but how am I going to, I mean, you've done it before. How do I get my product? You mentioned retail. How do I get my product into retail? I don't know a buyer at Walmart or something like that. Yeah. And so I always recommend starting small and basically coming up with almost like a beta program and saying, Hey, if, so say I have a, a wellness product or a supplement or something like that, like really going to your local area and saying, Hey, there's two or three small boutique, like not big chain stores. And it's establishing a relationship going in, asking if you can give the staff samples, if you can get feedback, if you can do some kind of pilot program, I recommend getting like two or three stores like that, maybe one or two online retailers, one or two in person, establishing that personal relationship, making them part of the feedback process. And then, you know, you might be giving some things away. You might be just, you know, giving it a discount. But then once you actually go on to bigger buyers or work with other people, you have those case studies, you have those testimonials and you know what you're doing. And so I think it's all just about starting at the appropriate scale and saying, okay, Walmart isn't day one, but maybe small independent grocers in my region is. That makes a lot of sense. If you had to go back in time, if you could change anything, what would you change? Uh, I think I definitely would have started doing my own products and brands earlier in my career. I, I was always kind of daunted by that and said, hey, I'm better off working for other people. But I think especially people with strong performance marketing uh, skill sets or sales skill sets are really kind of better off. They're going to get more value by building something they have equity in than by working for other people. And it's just a, a mind shift that uh, didn't come didn't come to me until I was in my mid-30s. Well, congratulations on on, on getting there. What advice would you give? I know you're giving it um, in the newsletter and on the site. Um, what's the most common question you get asked by aspiring entrepreneurs? Uh, people who ask, how do I get started with no money? Uh, is probably is definitely the number one advice. But actually, I've, I've been writing a lot about that because I think that, you know, right now, you know, if you just start curating or writing about your space, if you just say, hey, I want to write about, you know, pickleball, for example, that's my passion. And that's why I want to start a brand in, but I have no money. I'd say, all right, start a blog, you start a TikTok and you start a Twitter and you post three to five times a week. You do SEO optimized content and it might take you six months or a year or two years. But that following you get, even if it's a couple thousand people, is going to enable you to pre-sell. It's going to enable you to get confidence in yourself to put money behind what you're building. And also with platforms like Flippa and MicroAcquire right now that sell sites, you may say, hey, I don't even want to do a brand. I just want to take this website and social media presence I built and then sell that for money and then use that to leverage my next thing. So I really do uh, encourage entrepreneurs to just start putting content out online in an organized fashion and treat it seriously like, like a business. And that can lead to you, it doesn't cost much, and it can lead to you actually having the foundations to launch your brand. That is great advice. If you were starting over today, what niche would you play in? Uh, you know, I really think the SMS industry is really interesting, like just text message marketing, uh, because I think it's really poorly done now. And I think that it's a, a real opportunity, whether it's in customer service or whether it's marketing for brands or, or any of those things. I think that's a uh, that's a place where whether you're creating a brand that utilizes that or you're creating an agency or technology that enables it. I think there's a ton of opportunity there that we're not tapping by just sending these like mass sales blasts you get from brands now. Absolutely. And for our folks watching and listening who want to learn more, want to get the newsletter, want to, want to, want to learn about all things Orin, where is the best place for us to send them? 
Um, so productworld.xyz is the website. You can sign up for the newsletter there. And then I spend a lot of time on TikTok and Twitter. And I'm at Oren, O-R-E-N, meets world on both of those. And uh, yeah, you can DM me anytime. I'm, I'm always kind of open for conversation. But uh, yeah, if you're ever interested in creating a physical product, I put out a ton of free resources that I think you'll love. Awesome. Well, we know your time is incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you sharing some with us. This has been Seth Green with Oren Schauble. Oren, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it, Seth. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>